Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. The songs you are about to enjoy are from the Generations Church worship team led by Pastor Shake Anderson with the Gen Praise Band and on special occasions some great guest musicians.
Angels declare his beauty because they behold him at a level we have not yet attained. But we worship him because we're redeemed. We sing the song, Angels Cannot Sing, the song of the redeemed. Redemption converts everything from horror to holy. From the beggarly elements of this world to the beautiful elements of heaven. From our crises to being Christ's property. Our messes become a message. Our tests become a testimony. Our defeat becomes dominion. Our problems become purpose. Our victimization becomes vision. Because we've been redeemed. Hallelujah. We add a whole nother dimension to the worship of heaven. They worship his holiness because he is beautiful. 
one day we have that to look forward to, but we worship him now because he's a beautiful redeemer. He's taken my sin and given me his righteousness. From a sacrifice comes salvation. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Lord, we thank you for redeeming us. Redeeming us. The Bible calls us newborn babes in Christ. You remember when you were a child, you didn't have a care in the world. You're able to believe. You're able to forgive easily. What happened? This world has chains it tries to put on us. But through redemption, they're all broken in Jesus' name. Lord, you break every chain so that we can worship you in the beauty of your holiness. Can we just give the Lord a shout? some practical wisdom and life-changing truth penned by a brother who spent more time with Jesus Christ than any one of the original disciples? Come join us at Generations Church each week for a live men's Bible study as we learn from the book of James, featuring over a dozen different speakers, sharing from their hearts, personal illustrations, and life-changing applications sure to revolutionize and renew the minds of everyone attending. If you can't make it here, you can still join us from anywhere in the world via telephone. For a live conference call that will include you in this biblical journey, simply call us at 712-432-1500. That number is 712-432-1500. At the prompt, dial 743-883 and then hit the pound sign. That code again is 743-883, and then hit the pound sign. And that will connect you to us each Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here at Generations Church of Granbury, Texas. God bless you. Come join the gang. Come be a part of the James gang. We're in for a very special treat today. Rocky and Margaret Gathright, six years ago, moved to Brussels, Belgium, to serve the Lord's purposes in Europe. That is a hub of a lot of stuff that's going on in our world, starting in Europe and emanating from there and even reaching here. And so they are a light in the darkness. And uh, we are so honored to have them here with us today to come and propel us onward in the field which he's called us to. Rocky, come right on, brother. Right. Thank you. 
Well, some of you may not know me. I've been here, I think it was uh, 2009, was we were trying to figure out the last time that I was here. Um, it's been a, long, been a long time, so I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of new people to meet. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a chance to meet my family, get to know who, who, I, who we are, and uh, why in the world are we halfway across the earth, you know, in, in some foreign city named Brussels, Belgium. So um, my wife, my lovely wife, Margaret, and we have four kids. Um, most of my kids are, are um, in, in college or finishing college. And um, we are um, just with, left with one 15-year-old uh, in the nest, uh, kind of walk, walking with us through, through Belgium. But six years ago, I jerked my family out of America and my kids away from their friends. And uh, we took this big risk. Uh, you know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. So, uh, you know, um, I wasn't sure if my kids would ever love me again, but, you know, I did know that the Lord was telling us to go. So that's one of those times where you have to kind of like lay it all on the line and really stretch your faith and say, okay, Lord, if this is what you're saying to do, then we're going to do it. Guess who the most spiritual person is in the room? It's a trick question, okay? Sometimes we think that we are not the most spiritual person in the room. We automatically, usually, we automatically think of someone else. And even if I said, who's the most spiritual person in the city, what would you think of? What if I said, who's the most spiritual person at your high school, your junior high, your elementary school? What if I said to you, who's the most spiritual person at your work? The one who listens and obeys God is the most spiritual person. There's a listening that we take place when we read the word. We're listening to what the Holy Spirit is dealing with in our heart. Then when we're obeying, when we're actually putting it into action, that, that exchange, listening and obeying, becomes the spiritual work that God wants to do and take place. That's where the kingdom takes root into our lives and begins to change. Well, I would have chosen this, you know, but the Lord said this. And so in faith, we do and obey what the Lord is telling us to do. Like we don't naturally gravitate towards forgiveness. That's not a natural reaction when someone hurts you. That is a spiritual reaction. That is an obedience towards something that God has taught us to do. And he's showed us the rewards of doing that. So when we do that action, we enter into his kingdom and we participate in what God is doing. So this is what my family was called to do. Not everyone is called to do that. I always thought, you know, if I ever submitted my whole heart to the Lord... I, I can tell you, everyone that I grew up with, if they were Christian, if they thought, if I give my whole heart to the Lord, I'm going to have to be a missionary in Africa. <laughs> and what's wrong with that? Well, we all thought that we would have to eat some kind of food that we don't like. That's really what was wrong. That was really the, the core of, of the matter. It wasn't about traveling or moving around to other places. It was like, I'm going to have to eat something that I don't like. Uh, so most of my friends, as I grew up, did not want to give their heart to the Lord. I mean, I'm not going to give my whole heart to the Lord. I mean, that's going to 
I'm going to have to eat things that I don't want to eat. So, you know, it's so silly. It's very silly, but these are the kind of little hang-ups that we have that are blocking the flow of God in our life. We're, we're just we're hung up over small things when God has big things planned for us. And God has ways to satisfy us that we don't even know. So here we were in a place, it wasn't a comfortable move. In fact, you know, I can, I can tell you, my, you know, it was a, a very uh, difficult move for us. Um, the exchange rate began to change from 1.3 to 1.6. That means every time that I wanted to buy something, my dollar was not worth a dollar anymore. It was worth 76 cents, and then it became worth about 60 cents. So it began to choke the life out of us. Uh, my wife and I had saved for 19 years. My wife and I have been married 23 years. So we had saved for like 19 years of our lives, you know, just, you know, being frugal, being, being you know, not being foolish with our money. And the Lord had, had blessed us. We saw our whole bank account disappear in, in nine months of living in Belgium. That's not a very good picture, is it? I, surely the Lord is not in that. This is not the Lord. This is clearly not the Lord, right? You know what? The Lord was really in it. And he was surgically removing us from dependency on ourselves. So we walked through this uh, incredible trial. Now here's what happened. It's not that the Lord just leaves you out there hanging out to dry. Here's what happens. The Lord began to work miracles in our lives in the process of going. So in reality... Uh, the process started before we ever left the United States. Miracles began to happen. So in the course between June of 2007 and December of 2007, uh, we had seen, I, I began to write to a friend and I, re, and I began to count up the things that the Lord had done for us. Ten financial miracles. E- extreme financial miracles. And... Um, so I counted up the 10, and at the same time, you know, I'm looking at my bank account and thinking, there's, there's not much there. And I'm looking at these 10 miracles. I got, there's a lot there. But God's, all, God's done all this kind of stuff, so why is our bank account so, so low? See, I'm, I'm weighing out the two. And God was like saying, set your gaze on what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. I'm doing these 10 miracles with your family with this move. Now, my wife and I were about to like put a, you know, and, and you have to rent a house or, or in Belgium. And guess, guess, you know, it's really strange. You have to sign either a three-year lease or a nine-year lease. Those are your choices. <laughs> guess which one is actually better? The nine-year lease is actually much better. And everyone will counsel you to sign the nine-year lease. Um, And they're right. And so that's what we were about to do. Approaching from December to March, we had to decide if we were to do that. While our bank account was going to zero, and God's done these miracles, but our bank account is going to zero, and now we have to say, 
we're going to be here for nine years or we're going to sign a nine-year lease. It doesn't require you to be there for nine years if you sign that. But it does uh, give you a lot more freedom after three years. And um, the Lord the Lord just, it's, it's, these are like faith steps. But this is why I go back to what is it? It's just simply listening and obeying. And that's the spiritual transaction that we make with the Lord every day. So you don't trust in your own abilities. You don't trust in your own human ability to accomplish something. You trust in the Lord. And the Lord brings, brings it through. I will give the, the final part of that story is by August of 2007. Well, first of all, in June, we really did run out of money. So we, we came back to the United States in, at the end of June wondering if we were going to go back, wondering if that was it, you know, was that the whole exercise of faith? And by August, the Lord had restored everything that we had lost. And um, that's another long story, so I'm not going to go into that. But I just want to let you know, it didn't come, it it surprised us. We didn't, it came from places that we didn't even expect it. So the Lord really worked a miracle and restored something that, um, but but in a sense, what he was doing, what is he doing in our lives? He's removing our dependency off of ourselves or off of our bank account and putting our dependency on God. And through that, God begins to free you up. You're now free to be what God wants you to be. The title of today's message, because you're on this series in John, and in the book of John, you're you're saying these words, Jesus is, and then you've learned many things that Jesus is. Okay? And today, Jesus is boundless, limitless. Today, we're going to understand the limitless ways of God. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to receive. The Bible says, if you have ears to hear, you're going to hear something. If you hear something today from the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit takes our words. He takes the scripture. He takes uh, our, our prayers. He takes, he takes the words that you're listening to through, through teachings and preaching. And he instantly magnifies that word. He strikes a chord with you. He resonates within you to say, this is, this is your word for today. Now, in a given year, you have 52 weeks, 52 weeks in a Uh, uh, 52 Sundays every year, you possibly could get 50 words from the Lord in a year. 50 words. Now, you may say, well, that's big or small. It doesn't matter whether you think it's big or small. But I'm telling you what, if you had a word from the Lord, for instance, the day, do you remember the day that you got a job? You know, someone actually called you up and said, you're hired. You have this job. Immediately, you you think, okay, paychecks, money. You know, uh, you know, I get to go and do something I want to do. You know, I get to I get to, you know, move, make some progress, make some forward progress. These are the things that that happen. It was just a word, maybe spoken on a telephone. You're hired. One word can open up a vast amount of. Of, of opportunity, okay? If your boss calls you up and says, 
the word CEO to you, you know, it's like, would, would you not think that that's like a whole nother world of opportunity? You know, you see, what I'm trying to say is it's, it's not like rocket science, okay? It's a word. It's God's word. And when you receive it, when you catch it and receive it, it opens up a whole new opportunity for you. You, you then become limitless inside of that word. You, you receive the limitless kingdom of God inside of the word that you are receiving. So today, when you receive a word, the Holy Spirit will impart a word to you. And I can't tell which one will be for you. I can't tell at this moment which one will set you free. But the, the Holy Spirit does know. Now, I want you to position your hearts to receive the word. In fact, do this every Sunday. Do this because you come to, in, in anticipation of eating the bread of life. You come in anticipation of actually devouring what God has for you. And God wants us to come to the table. He's welcoming us. Come to the table. Come and eat. We're going to look at some scriptures in just a second, and I'm going, to sh- I'm going to lay this all out for you. This is where that the Lord gives you the word. He opens up a door. And when he opens that door, that door remains open for you for the rest of your life. This is, this is what I'm saying. When you recognize the word that God has forgiven you, that God is interested in you, it's not just that he will forgive you one time. You are, are you get birthed into this word. You, get, you walk into this word of forgiveness. And it transforms us. If you really walk into this word of forgiveness, you will be transformed not just one time, a multitude of times you will recognize God is willing to forgive me. Like, how many times do I have to do something wrong? How, when is it going to run out? When is it going to be exhausted? I've, oh, I'm sorry, God, I've used up all of your supply of forgiveness. That's what we feel. We feel the natural. We feel the natural fleshly way. I've run out. I've used it all up. I've worn out my welcome. I'm no longer going to be able to receive In God's kingdom, God wants to give us words of life that transform us. They literally open up doors of opportunity for us, and we walk into those doors, and that door is never shut for us. If you, it's not that you can't cut it off. You have the ability to cut it off. But in a sense, when you walk in and you stay in the word, you stay inside of the word that God is speaking to your heart, continually opens up to you what God is saying, what God is doing, what the action that God is working in your life. Now, it's not always so easy. In fact, last week you learned that God is hated. God is hated. Well, we know why God is hated. Uh, Anytime someone points out that we're doing something wrong, that's a very offensive thing. Like if I just, you know, take the time and or if somebody did this to me, you know, it's like, okay, point out something I'm doing wrong. I'm immediately, my pride is immediately attacked. My ego is attacked. My identity is attacked. And 
the same thing. We get offended at God very easily. It doesn't take much. And we have a multitude of things to be offended at God about. But God doesn't want us to stay in one place. He wants the fullness of his kingdom to be worked into our life. And we come out completely transformed. So in order to bring us through this complete transformation, he starts knocking at the door like, well, what about your pride? Or why do you get angry so much? Or why do you get offended so easily? Why are you? Why is that such a trap for you to be bitter against someone? You see, we have these things in our life. They're they're hidden in our lives. They're the traps that the enemy has placed in our lives. I like to say the enemy has a strategy against us. The enemy has a perfect strategy against my life. He knows exactly when and where and how to trip me up. He knows exactly what to do. He, you know, he just lays a few traps. He sets the trap. He, he pounces on me when I'm the weakest, when I'm, when I'm the, as tired, if I get tired or if I get cranky. Or, or he just, he'll pick the worst possible moment. Isn't, isn't that right? Have, haven't you experienced that? Like he's been at this a long, long time. I mean, we're not dealing with an enemy that, you know, is, is just playing little games. He's setting real traps for your life. And he's got a few more that he hasn't even told you about. But here's the thing. God's there to rescue you. And he's trying to rescue you now. Before the enemy can lay the trap. Before the enemy can spring the trap. So the, the Lord is actually dealing with us. And he is bringing offense to our hearts sometimes. Because if, I can, if he can uproot that offense out of your life. Before you get to the trap you won't fall for the trap. So in a sense, God will offend you. Just get ready. All right, we're finished with church. Okay, no. <laughs> I mean, isn't that, isn't that fun? Go, go home, go tell all of your friends, God's going to offend me today, you know. No, it's, it's, it's funny that, that we feel that way, but the Bible says that in the end times, there will come a strong delusion and it will deceive even the elect. So in a sense... We are preparing for a day when possibly if your salvation, if your trust in God, if you, if your confidence in God can be shaken, it will be shaken. And you'll be wondering what is going on. And this is the thing. I have to prepare you right now. Pastor Allen and Yvette have to prepare you right now for that day. They have to get you ready so that you will not be offended at God. You will not be offended at his ways. And and the problem is is that not everything is going to go perfectly in your life. The God is using these imperfect things uh, other people do. Maybe even somebody in the church will be imperfect, but God will use that imperfection to deal with the root of something that's in your life. And God wants to uproot it. So if you catch yourself being offended, if you catch yourself being mad or angry, then what you have to do is you have to ask yourself, why, what is inside of me that caused me to get offended at that? See, there's, there's a value system inside of our heart that's been touched. It's, it's my protect, I'm protecting myself many times. I'm protecting my own 
feelings and, and what I feel about myself. And you just violated the way that I feel about myself. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes my best friends are the ones that actually are God's instruments to uproot things out of my life. Especially family. Especially children. I, I, I can see that from day one. You know, my children were put into my life to per- perfect me. I mean, they see things quicker, you know, than, than you, you'd think you're getting away with it. And, and the kids think they're getting away with it, and the parents can see through them just very easily. But in the same sense, you see, the kids are looking back at us as parents and saying, I see through you also. And so God is, God is using these people in our life, using these instruments in our life in order to bring us to his transformation. Now, as you walk into transformation, you become more like Christ. You reflect Christ. And this is why we're in Belgium. We're not in Belgium because we're the best at anything. We are the best at some things because God equips us. Inside of God's equipping, we act Our job is to listen to God in Belgium and do what he says, whatever that is. Like sometimes ministry is not so glorious, you know, that we're not doing things that we like, well, you know, that's not, I didn't sign up for that, you know. Who signs up for cleaning toilets or who signs up for painting and, and construction jobs. Who signs up for things where nobody sees you? Not too many. See, the Lord wants you to act inside of his kingdom. And inside of his kingdom, it goes against all of your normal see and all of your logic. And he places you in an obscure place, maybe in a hidden place. You're doing something and you're, you're, you're for sure nobody's, nobody can see this. Nobody is aware of what's going on. And this can't be God. But God is using these things to actually bring you into, not only to bring you into transformation, but to accomplish his kingdom. Because the Bible says that what you do in secret, he'll reward it openly. He'll shout it from the rooftops. What you do in secret, good or bad, will be shouted from the rooftops. So what I'm telling, telling you is, When you are doing the kingdom, it may be completely hidden from everyone else, but it will be shouted from the rooftops in God's kingdom. You you may not see it so quickly. You know, uh, Nelson Mandela, how many years did he spend in prison? You know, for a righteous, he was unrighteously arrested, and he sat there in prison. Was it 14 years? It was a long time. How many of you want to sign up for that job? Sitting in prison doing nothing, you know, but being the person that God has told you to be. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is don't look at, don't look at the natural way. Don't look at things at the natural way. You are in a job. Many of you are in a job. You go to a building. You go to an office. You're in a job. You're for sure this has nothing to do with anything other than I get a paycheck at the end of the week. I take it home and I feed my family. That's not why you're there. You're not there because of the paycheck. You see, God is your supply. 
you are there for another reason. And you are there because as you transform your life into the kingdom of God and into the likeness of Christ, you become Christ inside of your building. You become Jesus for the people that you're around. You're not a perfect Jesus, but you are a Jesus to the people that you're around. You become the most spiritual person in your building. Think about that. If you're listening and obeying, you become the most spiritual person in that building. I don't care if if the you know if Billy Graham walked into your building, if you're the one that's obeying, listening and obeying and doing the work of the kingdom, that's not Billy Graham's building. It's your building. It's your school. It's your junior high. And you affect the changes. The kingdom works through you. The kingdom works through your life and you become to be the agent of change. And here's the good news. God is limitless. He's boundless. So the doors that you have opened, you've opened certain doors of the kingdom in your heart and they are worked into your life. They're They're part of the the fabric of your life. If you've walked into forgiveness, if you've walked into grace, if you've understood that, that there's nothing you can do to earn God's forgiveness, there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor, but you're walking in that truth, you carry that truth into the building. You carry that truth to others. If you realize that if, if you love others, if you love the unlovely, if you love the unlovable, and, and God is faithful to allow you to do that, then you will recognize that you are walking in a truth from the Word of God and not just human logic or human wisdom. If you know that that the Bible says, you know, whatsoever things you do in secret will be rewarded openly, then you can do your job faithfully when no one's looking. And you're trusting God to be the rewarder of what you're doing. You become this spiritual change agent. Now let's look at, John chapter 7. You've been in the chapter of, of 7 last week, so we're going to finish up chapter 7. We're going to look at John seven thirty-seven. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So here is the part of listening. Drinking is this listening and receiving and drinking in what the kingdom of God is telling us to do. I'm going to read through the whole uh, chapter uh, just so that you have the whole sense of, of what's going on. He who believes, verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, if his heart, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he's relating the rivers and the water to the Holy Spirit. But for the disciples at this moment, the Holy Spirit wasn't really imparted. All they had, they had Jesus in the flesh right there in front of them. Um, But when Jesus became glorified through his sacrifice on the cross, then the Holy Spirit was given to the earth. Okay, and if, if you look, read through, let's read through quickly. Uh, verse 40, 
Therefore, many from the, from the crowd heard this saying and said, truly, this is a prophet. They're recognizing it's almost like a prophetic word. They're recognizing this is a, a powerful word. This is a transformational word. They're recognizing the words of Jesus as being powerful. Okay, 41. This is the Christ. Some said this is the Christ. Others said, will Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him, and some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid his hands on him. So there's a controversy. They actually want to arrest him at this point, and they've actually purposed in their heart for the guards to arrest him. But his words became powerful, um, and they recognized the power in his words, and they they didn't know what to do. This, this confusion kind of came over the enemy's camp, and so they couldn't really arrest him. And so they're, they're looking for this, uh, well, let's argue about where he's coming from. I think he's coming from Galilee. Well, nobody comes from Galilee. Nobody good comes from Galilee. Well, it, they totally missed the point. I mean, he was from Bethlehem, right? He was born in Bethlehem. So uh, you can see the confusion taking place. Now, verse 45 uh, then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to him, why have you not brought him? Like, why have you not arrested him already? We were waiting. The, the officers answered, no man has ever spoken like this man. Now, I want you to pay attention to this in light of your building. Okay. In light of the fact that you are the most spiritual person in your building. Okay. I want you to pay attention to these words, not in like, oh, that's a good story about Jesus. But now I want you to see how the Lord can turn things around for you inside of your building. Are you accused of things that you are you falsely accused of things at your work? I've been falsely accused at work, uh, especially when it comes time to giving me a raise. You know, it's like, uh, okay, we found something wrong that you did, you know, so we, we can't give you the raise. Sorry. Many times, you know, businesses and men work like this. They they promise you a lot of stuff, but when it comes to the right time, the moment of promotion, like, well, we have a reason why we can't promote you. See, what I'm saying is that we live in a natural kingdom. We live in a man-made world, but we're also living in a spiritual world. We're living in a kingdom where Jesus is the ruler of that kingdom, and we have to work in that kingdom. We have to function in that kingdom, even when the world system is treating us wrong. So here, they're treating Jesus wrong. They have a plan against him. They have a strategy against him. They're planning to arrest him. You know, so what happens when Jesus is working in the kingdom? As he speaks in the kingdom, they become confused. They don't want, well, I, I don't know whether we should arrest him or not. You know, nobody's ever talked like that before. Nobody's ever given us that answer. So inside of your work and inside of your school and inside of your the lessons of your life, you're going to find the, these principles are applying to us. So then verse uh, verse 47, then the Pharisees answered them, are you also deceived? Like, are you now one of his disciples? Like, have you ever verse 48? Have you have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Like. We're not believing him. That's what the Pharisees are saying. We're not believing in him. We're not fooled by him. Their eyes are blinded. Okay, verse 49. But this crowd that does not know that the law, they're accursed. They don't know what's going on. Uh, here's, here's the accusations again. 
Then verse 50, Nicodemus, now you remember Nicodemus actually had a conversation with Jesus, so he's a little bit more enlightened. And he's not standing with the Pharisees. When you see what he says in this statement, you can see that the Lord has prepared one in the crowd to not be against Jesus. So he says this, uh, the one who, he who comes to a, I'm sorry, Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? Like, are we going to falsely accuse this man before we listen to him? And so he is, he's preparing the way for, for Jesus to be delivered from their, from their trap. Verse 52, they answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Now they're accusing Nicodemus because Nicodemus spoke up for him. So now their anger and their frustration turns towards Nicodemus. Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has ever arisen out of Galilee. And as everyone went, and then everyone went to his own home. Now inside of this, you see the Lord can bring a deliverer to you. I'll tell you a quick testimony about my life. Took a new job, came to the job the first day. One particular fellow proceeded to profane the Lord's name constantly. Nothing I could do about it. I wasn't in charge. I wasn't the boss. In fact, he was the boss's nephew. Uh, So we sit down for lunch that day. I have two unbelievers. We're at a table for four, two unbelievers here, and this young man who is actually, he's actually running away from God, but because he's in such a struggle against God's will for his life, he's spewing forth, you know, all kinds of profanity, and just, it's just, it's just like a, um, a perverse fountain. So, here we are sitting at lunch first night. They want to know who I am. Well, you know, who are we? What? Who are you? I mean, are you the sum total of your education? Are you the sum total of the place where you were born or the schools that you went to or the accomplishments that you've made? Is that who you really are? You're much more. You are made in the image of God. Therefore, you reflect who God is. You are a son and a daughter of God. You have royal birthright. You have a royal inheritance to to call upon. Now, I didn't, I had, I just spoke that I was a minister. Like in my true identity, I am one that likes to, to minister to other people. I like to give life to other people. It's a passion of mine. Perhaps it's a passion of yours. You don't have to have the title pastor above your name in order for you to do that or to call yourself a minister or to call yourself a son and daughter, you know, of the Most High God. So think of what you can say in the moment like this. So I told, I said something like this, um, and they said, um, the man across the table, he says, oh, you know, it kind of caught him, you know, like a punch right between the eyes, you know. And uh, he said, um, well, at least I haven't been saying too many bad things today. Like he didn't know what to say, so this is what he came up to say. Well, at least I haven't been saying too many bad things today. 
And the two unbelievers, these are my Nicodemuses at the moment. They don't know me either. They turned and looked at him and they said, are you kidding me? Like you, like you've been saying stuff all day long. You know, they were offended at his perverse nature. They're unbelievers. I, from that moment on, the rest of the time that I had that job, these two men defended me anytime this guy started speaking perversely in my presence. Now, sure, I felt like, okay, well, I got two protectors, you know. These were the two bosses, in fact. You know, they were actually above both of us. And, um, and they began to, like, call him on the carpet. Anytime he, you know let his mouth go off, then they were beginning to, to judge him and correct him. This young man, through, through me being there, um, was completely convicted. He, he knew he was running away from God. He, he turned his life around because, not because I was preaching at him or sharing scriptures to him. It was the fact of, of I was being who I was. I was being the light, and he just was under conviction just because I was there. He knew there was a better way to live his life other than the, the choices that he was making. And it, and it drove him to where, to where he could repent and come back to the Lord. It, it, I'm, I'm telling you, I did hardly anything other than that moment at the lunch table the very first day. And I, and I just want to impart that to you because when you are the light, you, you are. You are continually are the light. You are not the light one time because you witnessed one time. You are the light by everything that you do. You know, you, 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 you bless somebody else. You buy somebody else a cupcake and bring it to their desk. You know, you begin, you are the light in everything. They just take everything as being, the, the scripture is coming at them because you are the person of Jesus represented on the earth. You are the most spiritual person in the room because you're doing the kingdom. You see, you then are like thinking, well, this is going to backfire on me. No, you are walking into a limitless kingdom. You are functioning in a limitless kingdom where it's not going to run dry. He's the God of eternity. Like when you actually accepted Jesus in your heart, it's not so you can have 70 years on earth, you know, as, as a happy person. You know, you are purchasing eternity. You're not, you're, not, you're not getting a small gift. You're getting a huge gift. You're walking into a, an eternal purpose for your life. And, and even a thousand years from now, there will be purposes that will be fulfilled out of your life in heaven. There's a purpose. You're not going to be sitting around heaven doing nothing or just praying. You will be fulfilling the purposes of God in your life a thousand years from now, two thousand years from now, ten thousand years from now. God has positioned you exactly how you are. He knows exactly how he's made you. He has designed you. And it's, there's not a flaw in his design. It's a perfect design in order to release the kingdom of God to the people that he brings to you. I am not at your place of business. I am not the most spiritual person at your place, at your building. You are. You are God's representation right there. And I'm, and I'm telling you, you will affect what happens in that building. You will affect the decisions that happen in your building when you transform your life into the kingdom of God 
and do this, listen and obey. It becomes a fountain of living water. Do you remember? Let's go to John chapter 4. You remember the lady at the well and Jesus shows up. There's the little situation. Jesus walks into her building. Her building is, I'm going to the well when no one else goes to the well. I'm going there so that no one will see me. I'm hiding. I'm afraid that somebody will condemn me if they talk to me. I feel condemned. This lady was full of condemnation and she walked in condemnation. Um, The people at your work are living in condemnation. They already know that they're making wrong decisions. You don't have to tell them. But what you do have to do is you have to bring the living water. So we're talking about the endless supply, the limitless supply. And in this scripture here, verse John chapter 37 is our main scripture this morning. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Well, the people at our jobs and the people at our schools are thirsty. You just don't recognize it. You and I, we don't recognize it so readily. And it's not that you bring a judgment word to them and beat them over the Bible. I've got the heaviest book. You know, I'm going to beat you the most. No, what happens is, is that you're being the kingdom of God. You're being the love of God. You're being the spirit of the living God. And sometimes the spirit of the living God will say, go say hello. How difficult is that? It's, it's difficult for us. I don't know that person. I don't know what to say. God says, go say hello. That's it. That's your assignment. I don't know what else to say. I'm, you don't have to say anything else. God says to say hello. You see what I'm saying? Don't make it more complicated than it is. You're there to transform that atmosphere in that building, and you do what God tells you to do. But let's say it's at high school. Oh, but Lord, you're asking me to say hello to the most unpopular kid in the school. Everybody will think that he's my friend. You've got to take a risk. You've got to do the kingdom if you want to see the results of the kingdom. You've got to do what God says to do. Thank you for tuning in today for Worship and the Word with Generations Church. You may hear our radio broadcast again at the same time and station next week. If you do not have a church congregation to call home and you live near the Granbury area, we would love to invite you to come check us out some Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our meeting facilities are located at 5718 East Highway 377 on the Fort Worth side of Granbury. And our website is at generationschurch.org. like to hear some practical wisdom and life-changing truth penned by a brother who spent more time with Jesus Christ than any one of the original disciples? Come join us at Generations Church each week for a live men's Bible study as we learn from the book of James, featuring over a dozen different speakers sharing from their hearts 
personal illustrations, and life-changing applications sure to revolutionize and renew the minds of everyone attending. If you can't make it here, you can still join us from anywhere in the world via telephone. For a live conference call that will include you in this biblical journey, simply call us at 712-432-1500. That number is 712-432-1500. At the prompt, dial 743-883 and then hit the pound sign. That code again is 743-883 and then hit the pound sign. And that will connect you to us each Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time right here at Generations Church of Granbury, Texas. God bless you. Come join the gang.